Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. We used to sing a song. How many of you remember the old Sunday school song? Anybody remember it? Everybody ought to go to Sunday school. Isaiah, you remember it? No? Was that before Isaiah? Well, let's learn it. I mean, I think it's a good morning to learn a good Sunday school song. All right, so here's how it goes. It's, it's, uh, it, I don't know if it was written for adults or not, but the Bible says unless you become like a little child, you can't get into heaven. So some of you are getting nervous right now. All right, so when, I'll sing it through one time, and then you guys can join me because there's actions involved in this. All right, everybody ought to go to Sunday school, Sunday school, Sunday school. The men, and, and when we say that, all the men, you see all the men. And then the women, the women say, the women. And then the boys. So men, you can say that again because we don't have any little ones in here. And then the girls. And then we all end it with, everybody ought to go. Y'all are looking at it. I know it's simple. There's no deep theology. It's just fun, all right? Let's try it. Everybody ought to go to Sunday school, Sunday school, Sunday school. The men. The boys. Everybody. All right, we lost everybody. All right, we're here at Sunday school. And we've got a great teacher today. Amen. She's taught me most everything I know. She took over where my mom said I give up and corrected a lot of my behaviors. <laughs> Still working on that. Amen. But she really is a great uh, student of the Word of God. She loves the presence of God and the things of God. And so I want Valerie, my wife, to come right now and uh, teach. I know the subject matter. Good. Amen. Thank you. Amen. How's everyone doing? Good. I just want to encourage you, if you're in the back, back, there's plenty of room up here. <laughs> I'm not going to call names, but I will. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't call names. But let the Lord deal with your heart right now. And if you're sitting in the back, if you don't do it, that means you didn't listen. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Kind of. Not really. Amen. Let's just get to teaching. How about that? Amen. Um, let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and we probably don't have to read it. Hopefully you can memorize it because we've all made it this far in our yearly Bible reading program. <laughs> it's usually about chapter 3 in Genesis that we all start like, whew, this is tough. Amen. Let's just read it together. In the beginning, God created, tell your neighbor, he created the heavens and he created the earth. Amen. You can be seated. That was easy. Now, we've all witnessed, I think, in this room, we've all witnessed the beauty of his creation. Um, I've been to Alaska, and I've seen the majestic scenery of this beautiful place. Has anyone ever been to Alaska? It's just breathtaking. I know Matt was there for several years with the 
military, but I've been there and I've, I've seen the overwhelming beauty of the mountains and the incredible massive ice formations, glaciers. We hiked on a glacier at one point when we were there. It was a lot of fun. I've hiked through the forest and have stood in all of the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Anybody been there? Love it. It's one of my favorite places. I've walked alongside the seashore and I've gazed at the beauty of the ocean. I won't get in the ocean because sharks are more powerful than I am and it makes no sense to try to punch a shark in the snout. Anyone ever tried to punch anything underwater? There's no momentum. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. They're like, oh, if you see a shark, just punch it in the nose. Really? <laughs> like, I don't think so. At that point, if I see a shark, I'm saying, just take me. Go, let's just do this. I'm not going to fight you. I'm just, let's get this over with. <laughs> but the ocean is beautiful to look at, uh, especially when the sun is setting on the horizon. It's just a beautiful thing to see. And I've stood over the breathtaking vastness of the Grand Canyon, amazed at the colors and the designs of the formations of the rocks. And I've witnessed this beauty from all over the earth of the place that our Creator prepared for us for this life. I've been mesmerized by the instincts of wild animals. If you know me, I enjoy watching nature shows. That's my thing. I love, I love learning about animals. And I've been intrigued by the beauty of the bright colors of flowers found in the forest. I've been amazed at the intricate, detailed design of a butterfly's wing or a spider's web. It's amazing. I've seen the vibrant colors of masses of fish and sea creatures that swim around the incredible architecture of a coral reef. I've witnessed the beauty and wonder that God spoke into existence on the fifth and sixth days of creation. But this morning, I want to shift our focus just for a few minutes, not on the beautiful mountains and canyons or the wonder of the fish in the sea or the creatures that roam the land, but I want to shift our eyes beyond the here and now. I want us to look at the amazing creation, beyond the amazing creation of our creator in this life. This past year and a half has been a doozy of a year. Can I get an amen? And I know we're tired of talking about it. Everybody's over it. That's what you hear from everyone, no matter what political party you're on. Everyone's tired of it. But the deal is that many of us have faced things that we can't just stop talking about and that we just can't forget and leave behind us. Many of us have faced sickness. We face disease and pain in our physical bodies. There's been those of us in here, we've received daunting doctor's reports. Many of us have buried loved ones and friends. We've stood almost paralyzed in shock over the graves of family members who left way too soon. Many of us have faced uncertainty in our jobs and our futures. We have faced financial struggle. Our nation is more div divided now than it's ever been probably since the Civil War. There is division, there's chaos, uncertainty, sickness, death, riots, political unrest, earthquakes, fires, hurricanes, firestorms, and the list goes on. So how do we find peace? How do we find the silver lining? How do we look on the bright side? How do we continue pressing forward as a church, even as a Christian? How do we find comfort knowing that the day is coming, that things will get worse and worse? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but in the last days, things will get worse. 
There's going to be persecution. And knowing that sometimes God says no to our request, how do we find peace? I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is talking to the church, and he's addressing some things. And as you read through, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but as you read through chapter 13 of Hebrews, he's encouraging the church to do excellent things. And to these are some things we need to do. He says, continue in brotherly love and don't, you know, forget the stranger because you might be entertaining angels unaware. Let your conversations be righteous and be content with the things that you have. Don't always be wanting more and more. And goes on to say, don't be carried away with diverse and strange doctrines. And he's warning the church of some things. And then in thir- uh, verse 13, he says, let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. And what he's talking about here is us being willing to bear the same reproach or the same suffering or death that Jesus bore. He's, uh, he's speaking a pretty heavy word there. But after that, he gives a word of comfort. And he says, for have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. The NIV says, for we have no lasting city. In other words, this life is not going to last. But we seek the city that is to come. It's almost like, guys, it's going to get tough, but it's okay. We have something better coming. And he's trying to shift the focus off of the suffering of this life. And he's helping them to understand that we don't live for this life. We live for eternal life. Because he knows that if we will get our focus off of the here and now, if we'll turn our eyes towards the hope of heaven, it will propel us to endure suffering. I know we don't like suffering, and there's the scripture that says the fellowship of his suffering. We don't like that. But if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to have to endure some things. 1 Thessalonians 4 you want to turn there, I also have it on the screen. Chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. I'm going to read through that. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not. And that's tough to hear because when someone dies, obviously there's sorrow there. But he's telling us, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ, they get to go first. Amen. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Say that, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a reunion that's going to be. I long to meet up with my dad in the clouds. I think about Mother Brown, who's gone on, Sister Bush. What a reunion it's going to be Nana and Papa Staten. We haven't seen them. They've been gone for several years now. And 
that thought gives me so much joy and so much comfort. And in verse 18, this is what he says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Remind each other, encourage each other. It's not about this life. We spend so much time and energy. We invest so much money and all of our energy into something that is temporary. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to use a lot of scripture today because I don't want you to take my word for it. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke, say, provoke me. (laughs) Usually we're like, don't you provoke me, but this is in a good way. Provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some or the habit that has become of some, especially in the last year and a half, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. He's saying, encourage each other, love one another, exhort and exalt and do all the things to encourage each other because as the day approaches, he knows we're going to need it. John 16, 33. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Say that. Say peace. If we could bottle up peace and sell it, we'd be millionaires. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So how do we comfort one another? How do we provoke one another to continue in good works and keep the faith? I go back to John 16, 33. Be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. All the chaos we see and all the corruption, all the things going on, He's, he's got it. He's, under, he's got it under control. You can have peace knowing that he has overcome the world. And then I go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where he said, comfort one another with these words. And I go to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 14 that says, I'm looking for a city that's to come. 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I want to talk to us today about a place that he's prepared for us. I want to saturate your mind with what's to come. And what I hope today will happen is that you'll find strength to keep going. I know the road is rocky. I know it's tough. I know some of you are in a very tight spot right now in different areas of your life, and it can often feel like we're losing our footing, but I want to remind you why we do what we do, why we press on, why we strive for unity, why we continue to stand for righteousness in a very unrighteous world. I want to bring comfort to you today, not with my words, but with his word, because he's preparing a place. Turn to John 14. Verses 2 through 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. It's like, I love that line. It's like, I mean, I wouldn't lie to you. (laughs) I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. (laughs) Okay, I'm coming back. 
that where I am, you may be also. Hebrews eleven sixteen. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. He's preparing for our arrival. Just like a groom would prepare a home for his bride, Jesus is preparing a place for every one of us. Our creator, the one who created all the beauty that we see here on earth, and he's proven that he's the perfect artist. He's a master of architecture, and he's the greatest engineer, and he doesn't have to hire a contractor to do his work. He's preparing. He's designing, and he's creating the perfect place for me and you. And I want to talk to you about this place because I want you to understand what is to come. Get your eyes off of what's right in front of you. And I know that's hard because right in front of you is the financial problem. Right in front of you is the doctor's report. Right in front of you is all the struggle, all the trial. But get beyond that just for a little bit today. Because tomorrow when you wake up, it's probably going to be waiting on you. But I want these words to stay with you. And if you're taking notes, write these scriptures down so that tomorrow when you open your eyes and it's time to face all the struggle, you can remember, I can keep going. I got to press on. Revelations chapter 21, verses 9 through 14. John says, And there came unto me one as of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. In heaven, the light of that great city of Jerusalem will be like a glorious stone, it says, shining pure like a crystal. Its radiance will outshine any precious gem on earth, and its value will be immeasurable, covered in the glory of God. The holy Jerusalem will descend with brilliance. Psalms 50 and 2 says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Every treasure man holds valuable will pale in comparison to the magnificent city of heaven. Precious stones will lavishly adorn the walls of Jerusalem. Je Revelations 21, 19 through 21. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh, and probably y'all couldn't even name these. If I had a sardius sitting in front of me, I would not know it's a sardius. I'm imagining it's beautiful. <laughs> the seventh is chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophras, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. I do know amethyst. 
The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. Have you ever seen one pearl here on earth? (laughs) You know, they're little. But one pearl makes up the 12 gates of the city. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Just, it's unfathomable to think that there's a pearl big enough to create 12 gates, especially heavenly gates. I mean, I'm, this ain't like a gate to a barn. This is heaven's gates, <laughs> the glory of God that will shine, and the light of the Lamb will be its illumination. Revelation 21 goes on to say that we don't need a sun or a moon up there because God is that light. It says the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is the light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut all by day. This city will be a place of worship. Jeremiah 3.17. And at that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord. And all the nations shall be gathered to it to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. Heaven will be a place of indescribable worship. We have awesome worship here at Living Hope. Amen? Amen. We get lost in the presence of God. We dance and we sing. It's exuberant. Just think back to the most impactful worship experience you've ever been in. It could have been the day you received the Holy Ghost. It could have been, it could be in your house. It could have been a worship experience right here at this altar. And then multiply that by like a bazillion. And that's, I don't think that's a number, but my kids use that number, so sounds like a lot. But multiply that, and that's what worship in heaven's going to be like. We're going to see Jesus face to face. Oh, what a glorious day that's going to be. The one who saved me from my wretched self, face to face. In Revelations 5, 11 and 12, John described the worship we'll experience in heaven. He said, I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, those that have gone on before us, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. They praised with a loud voice voice. Revelations 5.13, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. Wow, what a worship experience that's going to be. On December 2nd, 2013, fans of the Seattle Seahawks set a world record as the loudest fans in the NFL. During a third down defensive stand against the New Orleans Saints, the Seahawks fans produced an ear-splitting 137.6 decibels. The roar of a jet engine 100 feet away from you produces 140 decibels. That gives you a little bit of a comparison. The Seahawks fans' praise was so loud that it triggered a minor earthquake. 
they need to chill out. They ain't even all that good. Anyway, <laughs> Brother Coots is not here. Brother Coots was our uh, Seahawks fan. He would have left if, I, if he was here right now. He'd be like, I'm out. Anyways, but that's the kind of worship that we're going to have in heaven. It's going to blow that out of the water. Isaiah said, the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out in worship. We are going to have loud, exuberant worship. Sometimes we have people come and we're like, they're like, wow, you guys are crazy. Right? We're apostolic. We got people running the aisles, some slow, some fast. <laughs> I won't say who's who. But we've got people who run the aisles. We've got people jumping and shouting and yelling and screaming. And if it, the fir- remember your first time in apostolic church, you probably thought, Dear Lord, if I can just get out of here alive, then I'm never coming back. (laughs) Amen? Look, here you are now. So, ha, we got you. (laughs) But it's going to, that's how heaven's going to be, is that whenever you experience the saving grace and the mercy of God, you can't just hold that in and have this little kumbaya worship service. But it, he deserves the loudest praise. He deserves a run around the, the sanctuary. He deserves our worship. And that's what heaven's going to be. It's going to be a continual worship service. Amen. Amen. I'm ready. I'm like, let's go. (laughs) Let's do this. All nations will worship and bow to Jesus Christ. I can't wait for that day. In Revelations, John 7, 9 through 10, John says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, people from every nation, people from every tribe, Peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. Amen. In the Gospels, we read about the triumphal entry when Jesus came in and they lined the streets with their robes and their cloaks and they were waving palm branches and praising God for the miracles that they had seen Jesus do. But John says in John 12, 12, it says, When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. However, it says that Jesus wept for them, for he knew they did not truly understand who he was. And he knew within a week's time they were going to be screaming for his death. But in heaven, there will be no confusion about who the Prince of Peace is. There will be no confusion about who our Savior is and what he's done for us. Every saint from every tribe and tongue will be clothed in white robes, waving palm branches of genuine praise. Not the, thank you for what you've done for me, but you are worthy because you're the king of kings. You are worthy because you're the creator of heaven and earth. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. And what's that name? 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. It's going to be a place of perfect peace. Oh, I can't wait for that day. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living waters, living fountains of waters. And he says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The one that we know is the comforter, we will be face to face with him. And he's going to wipe away every tear. Every tear that you have shed from worry and pain and stress and confusion, it's going to be wiped away. There will be joy forevermore. There will be perfect peace. The old song says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. What that means is 10,000 years in, we're going to feel the same way we did the first day that we get there. It's not going to be any of this. New converts are excited, but the old folks are just happy to be there. We're all going to be worshiping 10,000 years in. Amen. There will be no sickness. Revelations 22 and 2, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the, tre- the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. In a world that is riddled with sickness and disease, this description of the tree of life in Revelations 22 is a beautiful reminder that there will be no more suffering or pain. No more sickness, no more back pain. Can I get an amen? <laughs> there will be no more headaches. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more diabetes. You name it. It's not going to be there. That should be enough to get us shouting. Amen? amen. There will be no more searching for the cures of diseases known to man. Every ailment will be remedied and the nations will be healed once and for all. Revelations 2.7. He who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. If we will just overcome. And I want to encourage you today. We've got to overcome. There is a reward for us that will, that is beyond anything your eye has ever seen or your ear has ever heard. But to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Revelations 21 Verses 3 through 7. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. 
And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh, we got to overcome. I can't stress that enough. I, there may be someone in here right now that you're considering giving up. It's just too much. It's just too hard. And God doesn't answer my prayers. And he said no. And he took my family member. Or he hasn't given me the financial blessing I need. And you're ready to give up. You, you can do this. Overcome. Overcome. Because what is waiting for you is far greater than a healing here on earth. I promise you. It's so much better. And the greatest thing about heaven is being with Jesus. Amen. I'm excited about the worship service. I'm excited about not being in pain and no sickness and no death. But to see the Alpha and the Omega, yeah. to see the lover of my soul face to face, the one who delivered me, the one who washed me with his precious blood, the one who daily restores me and gives me strength to just keep pressing on, the one who speaks life when there is death, and the one who loved me when I was a wreck. Yes, amen. That moment when I cross that threshold from this life into eternal life and see Jesus face to face, it's going to be worth it all. Every struggle Every pain, it's going to be worth it. There's a song back in the 90s that was, I don't know, some of you may have heard it. But it's called Heaven for Me. And I just want to read the words to you. I've heard of a land that is wondrously fair. They say that its splendor is far beyond compare. In that place that's called heaven, my soul longs to be for where Jesus is it will be heaven for me. Heaven for me, it will be heaven for me. Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me. All its beauty and wonder I'm longing to see, but Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me. And verse 2 of that song says, Now if the walls were not jasper, and if the streets were not gold, if mansions would crumble, and if folks still grew old, Still, I would see everything that I've been longing to see. For if Jesus is there, it will be heaven for me. So my words to you today, keep going. Keep loving Jesus. Keep living righteously. Don't give up. Keep forgiving. I'm telling you, that grudge that you have, that bitterness in your spirit, it's not worth missing heaven for. It's not worth it. One second after Jesus comes back and gets his bride, all of that is going to disappear. I promise you. He's coming back for a bride because he's prepared a place for us. And I would say today, if you're here and you're not sure, if you're not sure that heaven is going to be where you go, if you walk out of these doors today, and should your life be taken or should Jesus come back and you are not completely positive if you're going to heaven, I am begging you, shamelessly, I am begging you to make sure. And the Bible says in, in Acts chapter 2, 
Peter's preaching, and they said, what do we got to do to be saved? They felt really bad. They were pricked in their hearts when he told them, you just, you just killed the Savior. And they were like, oh, wow, that was bad. What do we need to do to be saved? And he said, you've got to repent. You've got to turn away. It's not just saying, sorry, I got caught, but it's I'm turning away from a sinful lifestyle, and I'm dedicating my life to live righteously for Jesus. you got to repent, and then you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, I'm asking you today to don't leave this place without doing it. We've got robes. We've got towels. You don't have to get any of your clothes wet. We can baptize you today. Don't leave here today without being sure. And if you can't remember when you were baptized, if they said in Jesus' name or not, if they called on the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, you got to do it over. You got to do it over. You got to do it the way the Bible says. All right? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, those aren't names. Those are titles. Those are, I'm a daughter, I'm a mom, and I'm a wife. But if I put that on a check, you can't cash it. There's power in my name on that check. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. All right? This is the plan of salvation according to the Bible. And we can, I could do a quick Bible study with you right now, but I won't. I kind of am, but there's more <laughs> that we could do. And then you've got to be filled with the Spirit. Because the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus up from the grave, that's what's going to quicken our mortal bodies, and we'll be taken up out of here when Jesus comes back. If you don't have the Spirit of God living within you, the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, do it today. The Holy Ghost is here. You can get the Holy Ghost during our worship service. We've had people get the Holy Ghost during announcements. I think it was probably when I was doing the announcements, Brother Roberts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's a joke. That I wasn't allowed to do announcements anymore because it was too fun. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> maybe when you go to Wisconsin, I'll start doing the, the announcements again. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't want to do the announcements. But it doesn't matter what part of the service we're in. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. All you have to do is lift your hands. And I'm telling you, you repent of all your sins and say, God, I'm, turning, I'm surrendering to you every part of me, my mind, my soul, my spirit, my mouth, my body. It belongs to you. And he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. It's a promise. The Bible says this promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Don't leave this building today without making sure that heaven will be your home. I promise you it's worth it. There is no sin. Some of us, we struggle so much with, oh, I just can't give it all to the Lord because I really like this sinning thing, you know? It's just so great. <laughs> I know y'all laugh, but I promise you. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season, but when payday comes, the wages of sin is death. I don't want that kind of payday. It's the sin ain't worth it. That thing you got going on that you know you shouldn't be having going on, it ain't worth going to hell for eternity. And I talked a lot about heaven, and I could probably do another lesson on what hell's going to be like to scare it out of you, but... I don't have time today, but I promise you don't want to go there. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't 
say it. And you can use your imagination. I really do want to scare it out of you. Because I don't want you going. I want, to be, I want you to be part of that worship service that we're going to have on the other side. I want to be standing next to you, every one of you, when we're saying, worthy is the Lamb. Behold, He is great and He is mighty. I want you to be there. So every chance that I get, I'm going to remind you of heaven. You may be struggling. You may be suffering right now. But I just keep going. Keep going. He is our refuge and our strength so that we can keep going. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Turn to him, and he's going to give you the strength to endure. And if you'll do what the Bible says and you'll repent, be baptized in that name, Jesus, and be filled with the Holy Ghost, and then live righteously. That doesn't mean once you do those three things, all right, now I can go get my groove on. No, you got to live a holy, righteous life because there is no sin allowed in heaven. It's not going to be there. It's going to be a perfect place. And so we got to live that way. Are we going to make mistakes? Sure. We're not going to be perfect, but if we're striving and we're doing the best that we can and we've been covered in the blood, the name of Jesus, it's going to cover us. Amen. I am excited if you've accepted the Lord, but let me tell you, that's not the biblical way. I'm glad you've accepted him, but there's more to it. You got to do more. Okay, he's got to accept your sacrifice. Everything through the Bible, we offered sacrifice to him, and if he accepted it, it was good. No one accepted him. That's man's teaching. I'm sorry if I am just blowing things out of the water on your theology, but there's no biblical, there's no biblical precedent for that. But all throughout the New Testament, you will find that you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You've got to repent of your sins, and you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want us to stand. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.